This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 115. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Tara Clays. And I'm Liam Dempsey. Today, we're joined by Shana Diamond. Shana loves WordPress, CSS art, clean code, accessible websites, and building inclusion in the tech community. She co-founded Shift Enter to help people, especially those who are underrepresented, succeed in technology-related careers. She also loves rocks. Welcome, Shana. Hi, thanks. Hey, Shana, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining us on Hallway Chats. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, sure. Uh, I have been, I came into technology sideways, I like to say, through the side door. Um, after being a jewelry artist and rock hound and nomad for about 10 years. And then I started studying web development and started building sites in WordPress, uh, where most of my career has been working in WordPress, building custom sites and customizing themes and all the, the usual handful that goes with being a developer in the WordPress world. Um, and I became a chapter leader for my local chapter of Girl Develop It to help uh, mostly women um, get started and launch their careers in technology. I really felt like with the women in tech communities and the WordPress communities, I had found my, my people, my clan sort of for the first time in my adult life. So I wanted to help other people who were intrigued by that workspace break in. Um, and during this time, I became good friends with a woman who works as a managing director, a software manager, I'm sorry, I believe is her, her title. Uh, and she was on hiring committees and she had been for longer than I'd been working in tech and had discovered this paradox of knowing people through organizations who were talented people looking for jobs who could never find the jobs they needed. And as a hiring manager, looking for talented employees and not being able to find them for jobs she had openings for and felt like there has to be a way to get these two communities to find each other. So last year we started uh, an organization called Shift Enter to run career-centric conferences, um, teaching interview skills and job search skills, negotiation, uh, and uh, we're launching a larger conference this coming year with a track specifically for hiring managers for them to get us help in writing job requisitions and how to find diverse candidates. I, my last job, we were hiring an engineer and my boss said, you know, I'm not against hiring minorities or women, but they don't apply for the opening. So what does that mean about the way the job description might be written or where you're posting it? So we're, that's our, our current goal and that's my recent drive. So it has a little bit of an element of like a match.com for business. Am I understanding that correctly? Is it well, an online system? It's not an online system right now. Right now it is conferences primarily to help teach these skills. So at the previous two, we did a 
one-on-one -on -one mock interviews and resume reviews to help uh, job seekers figure out how to make their applications stand out and then how to make themselves stand out in an interview to how do you answer some of those tricky questions. And we had um, whiteboard practice. So for coding challenges, which are extremely intimidating, especially if you didn't come through a traditional background into tech, it never occurred to me until I went to my started going to interviews that I was going to be asked to write code in front of people. Um, and it's, it's intimidating for the whole, you know, cohort of, of workers now who've come through boot camps or been self-taught developers. So we did a lot of that kind of thing. What are they really looking for? You don't need to write code on a web, on a whiteboard that could be plugged in exactly and run. We know that that's not how people write, but it's still a tool hiring managers use. So we've been doing these past two conferences were focused on job seekers. And the next one is going to add this line for employers. The idea of a match.com situation or a um, actually helping them pair each other is fabulous. Uh, and that might be something we iterate into. Um, we have a vision for something like that for mentorship, to have a way to, for mentors to provide profiles and times of availability and people seeking mentors to read through these profiles and say, this person has the job or the career path I want. But that is kind of on the 2021 timetable for us. I see. Yeah, that would be that would be cool. It's a it's a really interesting concept. How have you found it? Um, and this is like a side hustle for you, or is this your yeah. full time? Yeah. No, this is completely volunteer and on the side. We're not. There's no compensation right now. We like the idea of offering classes, like in the girl development model, essentially, to um, offer inexpensive paid coding classes and maybe other professional development classes. Uh, and I believe that anybody who teaches anything should get paid for teaching it. So um, at that point, there may be some financial reward for some of us, but um, at this point, it's just a passion project. What kind of challenges have you faced with it? Um, logistics, finding venues in order to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one time, um, we have a great venue for the smaller conferences, but we're now looking for a larger space that can accommodate three tracks of speakers and has small spaces for five or six consecutive one-on-one -on -one meetings, you know, mock interviews and, and things like that. And that has been huge. We expected fundraising to be a major hurdle, but our local tech community has been so supportive that we were turning down donations last time around, saying we don't have a, we don't have an NPO above us. We're working on forming one so that we can have an actual bank account and just take donations. But we had for the last two conferences, we've been saying we need somebody to pay for lunch, and here's the bill, and they paid the vendor directly. And we actually had people coming up you know, from local tech companies wanting to support us, and we had run out of things for them to pay for. Um, which was just overwhelming. It's been such a positive experience uh, in those regards. I'm going to switch gears and ask you about 
what a rock hound is and what your rock relationship is. <laughs> yeah, rocks are friends. Um, a rock hound is a person who looks for rocks and minerals out in the world in nature. Um, so that is one of my passions. I've been rock hounding since I was a kid in Florida. It was mostly fossils and shells. I grew up in South Florida. And then um, I've dug for garnets in Connecticut and tourmaline in Maine and geodes and rhyolites in New Mexico. Um, and it's a tremendous amount of fun. It's, like, it's, it's a treasure hunt. It's going to an area where you know certain minerals can be found and digging in the dirt until you find them. And I think there's very few things that are more gratifying than pulling a shiny quartz crystal out of the dirt. Um, it's absolutely wonderful. Mm. Um, I, uh, Rocks Are Friends is a, a line from the labyrinth. I don't know if you, Jim Henson's movie Labyrinth, where there's the, he calls the rocks and they come and help him and rocks are friends. That, that's how I feel. They're all <laughs> over my house and life and world. And Interesting. I love the, the uh, sort of the pastimes and the side hobbies of people that yeah. we've chatted with, like video games or different things like that. Oh, yeah. we, have, we have yet to meet someone who's a rock hound. So ah. uh, that's really interesting. It's my first passion. A lot of women say that, some point, usually in high school, they got the impression that math and science were not for girls and that, or not for them, and they were steered towards art and other things or English. Um, I was always very much involved in art and literature, um, but I do remember the time in my high school math class when I thought I wanted to go into geology and study crystallology and, and mineral formations and really basically being told that math was not my direction. And I know so many women who say that they had one of those moments and decided that they couldn't be a developer or a computer scientist. And for me, it was the moment I, that, the moment that I probably decided not to become a geologist. Um, but I, it's, I'm fascinated by what nature does. Yeah, that's pretty clear from the, the sound of your voice and the way that you're talking about it. And yeah. I wonder the if at the time when you, I think you said you were in high school, when you were told that math was not for you, really indicating probably that, you know, you're a woman rather than anything reflective of your ability and your grades, that kind of closed that science door for you, at least in the, the immediate future. Did you realize that at the time? No. Or is this a, a more recent revelation? Revelation. Revelation. Uh, and and how did how did that figure into the work that you're doing now with Shift Enter? Was that an impetus to start it? Did you start it and then kind of the memory came back? Talk to us about that. So prior to Shift Enter, I was involved with Girl Develop It for several years. I started as an attendee of the mentoring sessions and code and coffees. Uh, and then I became an organizer and eventually a chapter leader. And it was in conversation- Oh, let me just interrupt you if I can. Where yeah. do you, you may have not shared it. Did you uh, share with us where you're based and where you work and where you live? Um, no, no, I don't think I did, sorry. Um, right now I'm living in Charlottesville. I'm actually living in Scottsville, Virginia, which is about 20 miles south of Charlottesville. So Charlottesville is my town and where my tech community is, but I live in a tiny little downtown 
Uh, it's a town of about 300 people and I can walk to everything and I love it here. Lovely. Sorry, Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, Keep that's going. fine. Um, and I, I realize I've mentioned Girl Develop It a couple of times without mentioning what it is. And Girl Develop It is a national organization that um, teaches coding and development skills to women uh, working or wanting to work in the technology world. Um, so through my involvement with Girl Develop at GDI, um, I met a number of women who shared those kinds of stories with me that, you know, uh, if, you know, they're, they signed up for a computer science class and they were the only girl in the room, so they never took another one. And if they had, they would have continued to pursue that, you know, that to pursue technology related fields then, but now here they were 15 years later, maybe after having kids, still playing on their computer at home and deciding they want to get into the workforce. Um, and so I'd had a lot of those conversations with people and then I'm a member of a rock club in, that, that meets near here. And I was talking to somebody who was going to school to be a geologist and it was one of those, yeah, I thought I wanted to be a geologist when I was a kid. And I kind of had to figure out well, when did that change? And I flashed back to this conversation with a high school geometry teacher. Trigonometry actually was the class. I had her for geometry also. But it was in trig that she told me that, um, you know, I, I shouldn't bother taking more math and science classes than I had to because art was really my thing, which it kind of was too. But now I make them both work. I'm sure I would have then. <laughs> Yeah, that that's so interesting. The way that, oh, I see you're very good at art. You shouldn't take math. Or I see you're very good at math. Don't bother with art. Don't bother with English. Don't bother. It's such a unique siloing. When you know, as human beings, we tend to flourish when we're well-rounded, right? And we have different interests. That's it's a shame in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's as if being really well-rounded and, and broadly educated is a bad thing. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you about, you said you previously that you, you made jewelry and then you became a developer. And I wonder your thought process as your interest in making websites grows and deepens. And then how did you approach, do I want to design? Do I want to develop? Do I want to do both? Do I want to be 80% developer, 20% designer, or flip-flop it? How, how did that work for you? How did that all come together? So it's kind of interesting. I, I've avoided most of those definitions that put you in boxes for a lot of this, this process for me. Um, I was nomadic and I had built my first website on Blogspot actually um, because my brother used Blogspot for his writing and he taught me just enough HTML and CSS to change the colors and, and put in images and it was just a record of where I had been, shows I was going to, pictures of my jewelry. And I would show it to people, to other vendors at some of these events and they were, you've got a website? How did you get a website? This was maybe 2010, 2008, 2010. And they were all so amazed that I had a website 
And some of them would ask if I could make one for them. And I'd laugh and say, no, this is really, really amateurish. I wouldn't pay someone to make this for me. I just did it. Um, but I'd tell them, you know, it's Blogspot, it's free, here's, here's what it is and where you can do it. And that kind of went on for a while. Eventually, I got tired of being a nomad and things in my personal life were changing and I decided to stop traveling um, and move back to South Florida where I'd grown up um, and where my dad was a professor of photography at the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. So children of faculty could take classes for free. So while I was no longer going to be nomadic and trying to figure out if I could convert my jewelry business model to one that didn't require me to be nomadic, I'd take some website classes. So if nothing else, I would have a better site that I was proud of. And when people said, can you build one for me? I'd say yes. Uh, and this is what you can pay me for it. So that was my original plan, was really just to freelance building sites. Um, I then discovered the joy of salary and decided I didn't want to freelance as a primary form of revenue. Um, so things evolved. In school, in that, at that school, there was one program for website design and development. And they, the professors would tell us, most of you will discover that you want to follow one path more than the other. And that's great. You pick something and excel in it. And my design teachers thought that I was going to be a designer. And my development teachers thought I was going to be a developer. And I really refused to choose between them. I felt like, especially if I was going to freelance, I'd probably wind up doing a little bit of both. Um, and that was going to have to be okay. If I took a job, I would, I'd like working with designers. I don't think that I'm, I'm a good designer when I'm given a starting place. I don't like coming up with ideas out of, out of thin air. Um, I really love working with a designer who can come up with a color palette and a, a look and feel for a site and maybe design the home page and one or two interior pages. And then I can take it from there and build additional pages within that look and feel. Um, but I like to at least have colors before I get started. Um, otherwise, they all wind up looking very, very similar. Because I, I guess I just don't get that creative with my, my ideas or my layouts. And I like what I like, which isn't always what other people are looking for. Um, yeah, so that's kind of that balance. I don't remember the second part of your question. I don't remember the second part of his question either, but I'll ask a new one. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the evolution of, you know, so many people, myself included, you, you learn something out of necessity and then it becomes something that you do. Uh, so uh, the fact that you learned how to build websites without the intention of doing that for a living is, is a great way to approach a new career, right? Uh, I want to ask you about success, Shana. We ask all of our guests this question uh, because it's interesting to hear how people define success, whether it's in their personal life or their professional life, what success means to you. Can you share that with us? Yeah. So I, I really like to look at the small components that make up the big picture. So 
I really love setting small attainable goals. And I, every time I meet one of those, that's a success. That's a small success. Um, or sometimes it's a monumental success. Um, I consider our shift enter conferences to have been successful because I've had people come up and tell me that they credit their job to the fact that they attended the conference. Um, I feel like in my personal life, I'm successful if, you know, financial success and all of those, if I'm meeting my goals, which is, you know, to keep debt down and pay my bills and, and not have the electric turned off, um, which has not happened in many years at this point. So based on that, I consider myself successful. But I think it's really, for each individual, it's about meeting the goals you set for yourself, um, whatever that is. If somebody feels like they need family, then that is what they'll need to be successful. But I, I like setting small, realistic goals and meeting them. Keeps me feeling good. What's your process for setting those goals and tracking them? Um, I don't know that I have a well-defined process. Um, I really, I'm, I'm a little bit, I get very scattered. I have a lot of balls in the air at the time. So if none of them break, that's a success. If I don't really smash and drop something. Um, I think that I, I do like my spreadsheets, but I don't follow them completely. I like creating them. I do this a lot where I'll, I'll create a budget and then never look at it again. And then six months later, I'll go through, you know, my records and see how close to that budget I was, not necessarily as a measure of success, but as a measure of whether or not I'm, I'm realistic with myself. Um, I, I don't know. I'm always curious about yeah. it. I've read a lot of books about setting goals and productivity and all that kind of thing. So it's always interesting to hear. And spreadsheets are, you know, are marvelous. I'm a huge fan of spreadsheets and they, they are, I think they're great to get your thoughts out. Sometimes they become unwieldy though, and then they're hard to actually implement or apply because they become so intimidating. At least I find that with some of the ones that I've made. <laughs> Not if you make them and then ignore them for six months, then they stay exactly the same size. Well, we'll see, that's what happens, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, I did remember what the other thing, I don't know if it was really spoke to Liam's question or if it was just one of the phrases that popped into my head when he was asking it. Um, but about the transition from jewelry to website development. Um, when I was first trying to freelance and looking for clients, one of the things that I had in my bio, I think, was that both, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a physical, I'm a maker. It wasn't just jewelry. I did ceramics, my first college degree. Um, and I love to make things and build things. And to me, just like all the websites, it's a combination of something that is aesthetically pleasing and functional. Um, there's this, this uh, similarity in the way these things work, that if no matter how attractive something, a piece of jewelry or a piece of clothing is, if it's uncomfortable and hard to wear, then that is 
bad. And the same thing with a beautiful website that provides an awful user experience. And I, I think that's part of why I really care about things like accessibility and building you know, intuitive user experiences and, and interfaces. Um, and I, I take that, I think that's something I carry over from working in physical tactile mediums. Yeah, that's really neat. I feel like we could go on for hours on that yeah. alone. But I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna ask you about your involvement in the WordPress community. Yeah. Uh, how are you involved, and in, and in what do you do, and and what works for you, and what do you like? So I'm less involved now than I was this time last year, and then I was a little bit less involved than I was this time the year before, and I I blame employment on that. Um, I, when I was freelancing, I went to WordCamps. I tried to go four times a year. I looked to go every quarter to at least one WordCamp. Um, and I started speaking. I spoke at a few of them, Lancaster, DC, Hampton Roads. Um, and for a while I was volunteering with the theme review committee and I tried to volunteer with the accessibility community, but it was, a little bit hard for me to to schedule working with them um, and I've done some of the like support on the the web, the forums answering questions and things like that but um, last May I quit the job that I was working at that used WordPress primarily and now I'm using WordPress occasionally at work still for all of my side projects um, but the company I now work for is transitioning off of WordPress sites for reasons I don't completely understand. Uh, but that decision was made before my hiring. Um, I, we used to have a really great WordPress meetup here in Charlottesville. Um, and then attendance numbers started falling and it's been a little defunct for the last six or months or so. I don't think there have been, we may have had one session, but I couldn't make it. So I feel like I miss the WordPress community and I miss being very involved with it. Uh, I was surprised that I, when I was looking for work this summer, um, I didn't wind up at a more heavily WordPress oriented company, but um, that's the way the cards landed. Yeah, well, I imagine with your girl development, develop experience, you were exposed to more, a broader community than WordPress because girl develop it isn't necessarily WordPress focused. So, sure, yeah. that's definitely true. They, we work with all a whole suite of languages. I taught all of our WordPress classes in PHP. I really like working in PHP, which is why I wound up where I am because although they're not WordPress, they are PHP. Um, so yeah, it definitely helped to broaden my horizons. And when I first started working as a developer, I did not want to work in WordPress eight years ago, I guess, I was saying, you know, in school I built the custom CMS. Why would I use one that already exists? And I know that's a very common sentiment and it didn't take long to realize how um, wrong I was and how much WordPress had to offer. But it was really, I think, I, I, I recognized the value of WordPress when I started building a lot of sites in it but I didn't really fall in love with the platform until I got involved with the WordPress community. Um, WordCamp Lancaster was my first WordCamp. And it was one of those, these are my peeps kind of moments for me. 
Yeah, that's, we love the WordPress community too. I imagine that it is an adjustment not being as involved in it as you used to be. It really is. It really is. When my job stopped sending me to camps and then I would go anyway if I could get the time and money together. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Is your shift enter community, do you think that reflects a little bit on your experience in the WordPress community? Did you carry some of that ethos with you there? It sounds like you're really passionate about that, doing, doing that work, and it seems yeah. to have some similarities. Definitely. Um, well, the, the desire to bring together a community of people who are interested in code and development and the whole world exists in both places, definitely. Um, I've modeled, um, to me, I'm, when I build these conferences, I'm modeling them in many ways after WordCamps because they were my favorite conferences ever to attend. Um, so it's definitely a huge influence on that. Um, and I would talk to people outside of WordPress community who would talk about the lack of integration, gender, racial, and other forms of integration in the tech community and I would go to a WordCamp and say, I don't see it. Um, and it's really amazing to me how much more inclusive and accepting WordPress community is than the broader tech community. You know, comparing WordCamp US to JavaScript JS Nation or Nation JS, and they look like completely different industries in the makeup of the attendees. Mm. So have you you've attended these other conferences? I went to NationJS two or three years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. That's interesting because I think there's a lot of conversation in the WordPress community about getting better at being inclusive and having a better balance of speakers, um, gender, and and uh, better balance racially as well in our community because it is, I think it's less homogeneous, but it is a conversation that comes up often so I'm wondering, is that conversation happening in other places or is WordPress ahead of other communities, do you think? I think that, I think it, I'm not as involved in other communities. I think it is happening there, but not at the same level. And I think WordPress was ahead of the curve on talking about these issues. Um, probably because it is open source and backwards compatible and all of the efforts that are made in the development world of WordPress to make it accessible to everyone. I remember Matt saying that, Matt Mallenweg saying that in one of his um, State of the Word addresses about how important it was to have everybody have access. Um, and I think that when a community feels that way in general, they're gonna feel that way about these accessibility issues. Um, not, sorry, not accessibility issues, they're gonna feel that way about um, inclusivity issues. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna finish with one final question. Uh, I know we're almost out of time, or maybe we are out of time, but we always ask people about advice and this has gone by so fast that I lost track of time. So if you can share with us uh, some advice that you've received that you'd like to pass on to our listeners that you've implemented in your life. I thought maybe you were letting me slide on that one when I saw the time disappear. No, no. <laughs> yeah, nope. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I've been thinking about it for a while, actually, because I listened to the podcast, so I've known it was coming. Um, you know, it kind of goes back to the other question you ask everybody about success. And that is that 
the advice would be that it is perfectly acceptable to change your goals, that it is not failure to change directions. Um, I know that when I gave up my first business, which I still do a little bit part-time, tiny, tiny scale, um, it felt like a failure. It felt like this wasn't the thing that was going to support me and I'd put so much into it. And I was told by many people, it's not failure to recognize that it's time for change. Um, and I think that don't, not to beat oneself up for changing direction is um, really good advice I was given. I think you nailed it. I, absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, some, that's fantastic. Yes. Great way Thank to you. end the show, Shana. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, my pleasure. Can you share with everyone where they can find you online? Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at who's your website. That's who's uh, it, as in who is, but there's no apostrophe because they don't allow that. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn. I think it's Shana LD. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really great to see you. I know we've met before, so it's good to see yeah. you again after a while. Likewise. And um, I hope to see you again. Me Thanks too. so much. I'm, fingers crossed for WordCamp Lancaster this year. All right. Thank Excellent. you. Excellent. We hope to see you there, Shana. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for the time. Thanks. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.